Praise the Lord, everyone. Welcome to the Church of Omaha. To everyone joining us by the webcast, we thank you for joining us. And uh, uh, if you mind standing, I'm going to be reading from Matthew 24, but uh, I want to start off this morning. I feel like it's always proper to start off a service with prayer. Uh, but I want to have some special prayer this morning. Uh, first of all, for Brother Jeremy and Courtney Miller, uh, pray for Brother Jeremy's dad. We need God to undertake in that situation. Uh, if you wouldn't mind praying for my dad, dad, if you're watching, I love you, praying for you. Uh, he's having complications from the surgery he had back in July. And uh, I want to pray for my, my old church in Alexandria, the Pentecostals of Alexandria, uh, I woke up yesterday morning to the news of a friend of mine from back there's wife passed away from COVID. They have two boys about junior high age. Then this morning found out that uh, a lady by the name of Pam knows you don't know her, but Jesus does. She was the epitome of a servant. She was a handmaid. She dedicated her life to serving the kingdom and the ministry and ministers. She was Brother T.F. Tenney's secretary, personal assistant, right-hand woman for years until he retired, and then for the past 15 years or so, she's been the same thing to Brother Anthony and Sister Mickey Mangan, and so uh, she went on to be with the Lord, and there's a big hole left in there, and I want to pray for the church, the, the POA. They've lost a lot of people in the last year and a half to COVID and other things, a lot of pillars in that church, staff members and stuff, and I know they're hurting, and Brother Anthony's had some health issues, so uh, I want to bring these needs uh, before the throne and pray for our service today. For anyone that's dealing with COVID or sickness or cancer and just all the, the stuff that's going on in the world today, we need Jesus like never before. We need him, and we need to get a hold of him like never before, so let's go to the Lord in prayer today. Dear Father, Lord, I'm so thankful that before we even come before you and, and voice our needs, you know what we need. I'm thankful that your word tells me that you are touched by the feelings of our infirmities. And I'm thankful that I know that nothing, nothing is impossible for you. That all things are possible to them that believe. And we bring every one of these needs before you today. We are believing you to touch Jeremy's dad and, and, and perform a miracle. I know you're going to touch my dad. I'm praying right now for Pam Knowles' family and for Tammy Austin's family and for the POA church family, God, that you, you will give them strength and comfort in this time and this season that we're walking through, God. You are our comfort, you are our peace, and you are our strength. And we're asking for grace and mercy to be poured out upon us today, Lord. We need you, Lord Jesus. And I pray for both services today. Your presence is here. I have felt you from the moment I walked in here today. And I'm praying that your will would be done in both services today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Matthew chapter 24. I'm going to begin reading at verse 3. I think I told you guys verse 4, but I'm going to start at verse 3. Uh, and it says, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? 
And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Skipping down to verse 11. And many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. Skipping down to verse 24. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. By the help and grace of God, for the next few moments, I'm going to talk on this subject. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not really going to preach on end times stuff. And I know Brother Powell's about to start, I believe, a series on that. I will probably dabble and touch on it a little bit. But give you a context of, of what's going on here. Uh, this is the last week of Jesus' life. In a few days, he's going to be betrayed and crucified. And uh, they're coming from the temple. And they had just departed the temple, verse one says, and the disciples came to him to show him the temple and said, you know, hey, man, Jesus, check this out, you know. And, and Jesus says in verse 2, see, you not all these things, verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Jesus was prophesying that that temple that they were so proud of in just about 40 years was going to be destroyed by the Roman emperor Titus. All right. Now. Verse 3 says his disciples came to him, but if, if you read the same account in Mark, it, it, it clarifies that it was just Peter, James, John, and Andrew, okay? Uh, and so Jesus, they ask him these, these questions. When are these things going to be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world, all right? Some people believe that Matthew chapter 24 was already been fulfilled, and partially of it was the destruction of the temple was fulfilled. But I'm sorry, I don't believe Jesus has already come, and obviously the, the world hasn't ended yet, okay? So uh, there's a lot of talking about being deceived. There's a lot of people that are deceived about this passage of Scripture and the interpretation of it. And I want you to notice that the first thing that Jesus said the first thing he said in answer to their question was, Take heed that no man deceive you. In other words, be careful that no one deceived you. And as we read before, he's, he's going to say it again. All right? He says, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. All right? One of the signs, one of the many signs, is, and there's others, he said there's going to be wars and rumors of wars, famines and pestilences and all this other stuff. But one of the reasons I know that we are definitely living in the last of the last days is because we are living in a day of deception. All right? They call this the information age. You know, we had the industrial age, and now we're supposedly in the information age, which if I was going to label it, I would say it's the misinformation age. Or the disinformation age. You know, I believe it was the actor Denzel Washington was quoted one time that said, you know, if you don't read the newspaper or watch the news, you're uninformed. And if you do read the newspaper and watch the news, you're misinformed. 
And so, uh, of course, there's a term that's been, came about in the last few years, fake news and all this stuff. And with all the information that we're bombarded with, sometimes it's hard to distinguish what's true and what's not true and what's reality and what's fiction. But there is one thing that I do know that is true. And that's this word right here. Psalm 119 and 89 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is truth. It's settled in heaven. All right? Nothing can change it. All right? So if I want to not be deceived, I got to know this word. I got to stay in this word. I got to live this word. I got to breathe. I got to abide in this word. And that word's got to abide in me. Hallelujah. Paul warned Timothy, second, I don't think I gave you this one, 2 Timothy chapter 3, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And we are living in that, in that time, all right? Deception. You got to be careful. And I heard, I heard, I don't know who it was, was it, was it maybe Pastor Powell talking about Isaac? When Jacob, was you the one that I heard talking about this? When Jacob came to uh, try to trick Isaac into he was Esau, all right, Isaac's eyes had failed him, all right, he couldn't see, all right, his smell, his sense of smell failed him because Jacob had fooled him with, he put on Esau's clothes so he smelled like Esau. But the one thing that didn't fail, Isaac, that if he would listen to was his ears. He said, you smell like Esau, but your voice is the voice of Jacob. And that's why we got to know the voice of God. Because there's our eyes are, can fail us, our sense of smell, and our other senses. But if we know the voice of God, if I know this word, it doesn't matter what comes against me. I can tell that's not of God and that's not true. Praise God. And so I want to talk about. Three forms of deception, three sources of deception uh, that we need to guard against. Before I get into that, Jesus talked about false Christ. If you want some entertainment, go to YouTube or Google and type in people who claim to be Christ. All right? They have top tens and all this stuff. And all through history, there has been people that... that that have claimed to be Christ. And there are people alive today. And what's really shocking, when I did this, one, the first one that popped up or the second one I clicked on, one of the people in that list was a man in the Philippines named Apollo Quibido, who used to be apostolic. Was one this Jesus named UPC apostolic, one of the first converts of, of missionary Gordon Mallory. And today, he claims to be the Messiah. So that means it can happen to anybody. <laughs> we got a guard, all right? So the first form of deception or source of deception I want to talk about is uh, Satan and false prophets and teachers. And that's, that's an obvious one. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4 says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, and whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And so this first source of deception is one that we all are aware of, that, that the devil is in the business of deceiving and tricking people. He's been doing it since the Garden of Eden. 
And uh, his main tactic is to get you to question the word of God and to question God's goodness and faithfulness. All right? That's his, that's, you know, he's got a few tricks up his sleeve, but that's, that's one of the main ones. Uh, and so we need to be aware of that. And continuing on in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 3 and 4, and then I'm going to read verses 13 and 15. Paul, speaking to the church at Corinth, says, But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if ye receive a, another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. Paul was, and, and other, I know Brother Jeremy has taught on this, and, and about there were these super apostles in the Corinthians church, and they were questioning Paul's authority, and uh, Paul was worried and concerned about the church at Corinth, and uh, it's, it's, and I think Brother Jeremy uh, mentioned this uh, the other night, Wednesday night, about some of the, the doctrines and teachings and stuff. And, and I came across something uh, a few weeks ago where some guy was talking about Jesus being racist. You know? I'm like, okay. There, there are so many doctrines of devils that are floating around. There are so many seducing spirits. We have got to be sure that we are in the word of God. That we are, have discernment and, and the love of God shed abroad in our heart. All right? Paul continues on in chapter 11 and verses 13 and 15. He says, For such are false apostles... Deceitful workers transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. And there's all kind of other warnings by Peter and Jude and, and the apostle John in the New Testament that for the sake of the time, I'm, you know, but we... Even when I think about this, all right, Paul was beheaded about 64 A.D., most people around there. So basically a little over 30 years after the, the church began. And he was already dealing with false teachers and false apostles. All right? Peter dealt with it. John had to deal with it. In 3 John, there was some guy, I believe his name, Diotrephes. He was... Going up against John the Beloved. All right? This is just three decades after the beginning of the church. And so if we, as the apostolic church in the 21st century, if we think that we are immune to false teachers coming in unawares, Paul warned the church at Ephesus, about it. He says there's going to be some from beyond that are going to come in as ravening wolves. All right. He warned Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. 
And for the sake of time, I'm going to move on from this first point, but just let me give you a hint of how you can tell, distinguish a false teacher. Anyone that tries to tell you, you know, you don't really need to do that. You know, I know what the Bible says, but, you know, that's, that was for them. That's not for us. You know, you don't really need to pray that much. You know, you don't need, really need to fast and, and sacrifice, all right? If they're trying to make the way easier, they're trying to a softer, easier way than what Jesus said. Because Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciple, you're going to have to pick up your cross. You're going to have to deny yourself and follow me. All right? It's not an easy, rosy road to heaven. I'm sorry. Okay? I don't read that anywhere. I don't read anywhere in the book of Acts or in the New Testament where they live their best life now. You know? You know, prosperity, and, and God wants us to prosper even as our soul prospers. There's a lot more to prosper than just having a better job and more money and more stuff. All right? And this is my candy stick, so I'm here. I might as well say it. You know, Jesus said it's hard for a rich person to get into heaven. All right? But we think we know more than Jesus because we think we can handle riches and still go to heaven. And some people maybe can. All right? But I, I know my flesh... It's going to be by the grace and mercy of God if I make it. I don't want to try to get anything that's going to be a hindrance to me making it to heaven. And while I'm at it, at some point, we got to realize that we're going to have to unplug from the matrix if we're going to make it. I mean, at some point. All right? Our power went off Friday night. Was it Friday? Yeah, Friday night. Right about bedtime. And my kids were freaking out. They didn't want to go to bed because the lights were out. I was like, well, it's, you, you know, they're night lights and stuff. And I was like, look, you better get used to living without power. Because there's probably going to come a day where, you know, we may not have power. All right? I'm not trying to be a prophet of doom. I'm just realistic. I read the book. I see the signs coming. All right? Well, let's move on from that. That's enough about that. None of that was in my notes. But the second form of deception or source of deception is what James talked about in James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. It says, But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Obedience is important to God. I'm going to say that again. Obedience is important to God. Alright? One of the most what, what I feel is one of the most tragic stories in the Bible is the story of Saul. Not Saul of Tarsus who became Paul, but King Saul in the Old Testament. He started out so good, humble, anointing what God was upon him, but he ended so tragically. And, uh, you know, his story is a warning to all of us 
how he let jealousy get into his heart and just drive him to where he just lost it and, and ended up killing himself. And I heard a preacher, I don't know who it was, but he said something about Saul that it stuck with me. He's like, God is the only one who will fire you but let you keep your job. Because, see, I'm going to skim through the story of 1 Samuel chapter 15, but before that, Saul got impatient with the man of God. Samuel told him to wait here. I believe it was at Gilgal, and I'll be there, and we'll sacrifice before you go fight the Philistines. Saul and the people got impatient, so Saul stepped out of his lane, Sister Powell. He got out of his lane, and he offered sacrifice instead. And so from that time, the Bible says, if I remember correctly, the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. That's when he told Samuel to go anoint David. So David, the anointing had left Saul and was on David, but he still let Saul be king. All right? And so in 1 Samuel chapter 15, beginning, I'm going to read, uh, I'm going to skip through, I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. It says, Samuel said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. Skipping down to verse 7, it says, And Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah until thou comest to Shur, that is over against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the oxen and the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. But everything that was vile and refused, they utterly destroyed. In other words, Saul thought he knew better than the preacher. I mean, and, and instead of doing what the man of God said, who God had told him, he spared Agag the king, and he spared all the good animals, all right? Didn't, and there's a, you could preach a whole message there on the dangers of incomplete obedience, all right? In verse 10, it says, Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he has turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. Skipping down to verse 17, it says, that Samuel has come to where Saul is now. He's, and Samuel says, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil and did evil in the sight of the Lord? And this is how we know that Saul was deceived by his Lack of obedience. And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. He said, Hey, I did what you said, even though he didn't. All right? Then, then, he, then he goes, verse 21, he goes all the way back to Adam and Eve, doing the blame game. But the people took of the, sheep, the spoil of the sheep and the oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? 
Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. And Samuel said, and Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because, watch this, I feared the people and obeyed their voice. I'll never forget Brother Jerry Rollins. When I was in the Grace House, you weren't supposed to smoke. But across the street, there was this big oak tree that guys would go and smoke. And if they saw Brother Jerry drive by, they'd hide their cigarettes. And old Brother Jerry would come up and say, oh, I'm your God, huh? I'm like, what you talking about, Brother Jerry? He's like, well, if you smoke that cigarette in front of Jesus... But when I drive up, you put it around, that means you fear me more than you fear God. I'm your God. You see, there's too many people that they fear what people think instead of what God thinks. God help me. I don't want to be that way. I want to be faithful to his word. Jesus' name. Now, moving on. The third source of deception, which is the scariest. Second Thessalonians, chapter 2, beginning with verse 7, says, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. If I understand the, this right, the mystery of godliness is how God became a man. The mystery of iniquity is how man's trying to become God. And you see it, people thinking that they can just be what they want to be. If you don't know anything about the transhumanist movement, I study it. They, they want to put a chip in your brain and think that they can cure everything and make you live forever. At some point, God's going to say enough's enough. But it says, and when the, then shall the, verse 8, then, when then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with powers and signs and lying wonders. I want to pause right here and say, we are not to follow after signs and wonders. Signs and wonders are to follow us. I've seen many people led and deceived and led into Destruction by seeking after signs and wonders. And I love signs and wonders. Whatever God wants to do, I want him to do it. But I'm going to follow him and his word. And if I, if, if I understand that, if I have faith and I do what his word says, he will confirm his word with signs and wonders. I don't have to go seeking after them. Jesus' name. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, here we go. Because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. It's not enough to know truth. you got to love it with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And truth is not just a concept. Truth is a person. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. i gotta, I got to be willing to die for him. Doesn't, oh Lord, don't let me get, don't let me go down that rabbit hole, but everything that's going on in our world and our country, 
the, the spirit of the Antichrist is at work and it's trying to raise its head. You better settle it in your, we better settle it in our heart right now. I'm not going to bow. I'm not going to, I'm going to live according to this word. If I die, I die. I'm not going to deny him because there's going to come a day. I'm not going to go there, but Lord Jesus, help me. Saint, my church. And for this cause, for this cause, God shall send, God's going to send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. I don't have time to go into it today, but there's a very interesting story in 1 Kings chapter 22. Go home and read it. Jehoshaphat and Ahab going to go to war to try to take back uh, Ramoth Gilead. And Jehoshaphat shouldn't have been down there in the first place with Ahab, but all of Ahab's false prophets are saying, yeah, go, go fight. God's with you. You're going to win. And Jehoshaphat's got enough sense to say, is there a prophet of Jehovah here? Is there a prophet of and Ahab goes, man, there's this one guy, but I don't like him because he never prophesies anything good. That's another way you can tell a false prophet. If they're always talking about you're going to be blessed and all this and stuff, and they, you know, most prophets, they came with warnings of repentance instead of just everything's hunky-dory, all right? And so they call this guy named Micaiah, and Micaiah... The, the Ahab's guys telling Micaiah, man, come on, everybody's prophesying good things. Come on, just go along with it. And so Micaiah does at first. He says, okay. And then Ahab says, man, didn't I tell you not to, I want you to tell me what God says. So he says, okay. You really want to know? Go read it. Because there's some stuff that will make you think. Apparently, God sent a lying spirit in the mouth of those prophets to deceive Ahab. God will send you a strong delusion, this Bible says, if you don't believe the truth and love the truth and if you have pleasure in unrighteousness. Romans chapter 1. We're seeing it play out in our world today. I better get to, to, to my close. Starting in verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God. No, everybody likes to talk and preach about the love of God and the mercy of God, and that's good in me. But, you know, the Bible does talk about the wrath of God as well. Okay? And it talks about God's holiness more than it talks about his love. All right? God is holy, and he, de he demands us to be holy. Now, the only way we can do that is by his grace and through his spirit. But just because I've been blood-bought and washed and filled with his spirit does not mean I can just do what I want to do. I was going to preach on judges, but Bishop and Brother Jeremy covered everything that I was going to say better than I can say it. So I was like, I got to get come up with something different. All right. But at the end of Judges, there's two tragic statements. And they, they talked about at the beginning, uh, that generate, there arose a generation that knew not the Lord or the works of the Lord. Then in the end, it says that every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And that's the world we're living into. They believe there's no such thing as truth. And they got my truth, your truth, whatever, you know, 
what's good for you, good for the goose, good, you know, whatever goes. That's not what God says. It says the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, all right? Because that when they knew God, they, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. They changed the glory of the, of the uncorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever and ever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up to vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, receiving in themselves that recompense, their error that was meet. I don't care what denomination it is that it says it's, it's okay. If the Bible says it's an abomination, it's still an abomination. I believe God said, I'm the Lord, I change not. Jesus Christ the same yesterday. And I'm sorry, I love him. God, it's, not un, it's not an unpardonable sin. God can save them. They can be healed. They can be delivered. But the word of God doesn't change. And if I understand this, if I don't have the guts to declare, thus saith the Lord... As a minister, I've got to stand before him and give an account. Okay? Doesn't matter what political correctness says or all this. The word of God is the word of God. We're going to be judged by it. Okay? And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. You see, those first two forms of deception... You can shake back from those. You know, you can come to your senses. You can have somebody, if you're following false doctrine and false, false teaching, if you've got an honest heart, you know, God can send you somebody to, to expound the word of God more perfectly. You know, if you deceive yourself by not obeying, by not obeying, you know, you can truly repent and God can open your eyes or the word of God and preaching, the man, you know, there's different ways. But this last form of deception, if I understand it right, there's no coming back from that. Two quotes, I believe. I know Jeff Arnold said one of them. He may have said the other one. I know he said, he prayed, uh, he, he, he always prayed, God, don't let me be deceived. And I believe it was Harold Hoffman said, well, Jeff, why do you pray that? He said, because if you're deceived, you, you never know. You don't know. All right. And this last quote, and I think I heard you quote it, I think I heard him say it too, is the reason that deception, this kind of deception, feels so much like revelation is because they both come from God. They both. And there's a lot of people I know that think they have revelation from God, but they've been deceived. So 
How do we not be deceived? John chapter 16 and 13. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. We got to stay full of the Holy Ghost. We got to be led by the Holy Ghost. We got to submit to the Holy Ghost. Okay, because it's one thing to be filled with the Holy Ghost, but are you led by the Spirit? I don't want to just be full of the Spirit. I want to be led by the Spirit. I want to be spiritually minded, which is life and peace. We've got to love the truth. Proverbs says, buy the truth and sell it not. We've been handed something that's more precious than anything in the world. I don't want to take it for granted. I thank God that I had a great-grandmother that came to know the truth back in the beginning of the 20th century and how it wasn't cool then, all right? It wasn't cool to be a holy roller then. Yeah, I don't even, some of y'all may not even know about holy rolling, but all right? A lot of people paid a price with blood, sweat, and tears for what we have. I want to cherish it. I don't want to take it for granted. I want to pass it down to my kids. All right, we must, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, as I come to a close, it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets. We have to have discernment. To live in these days, we're going to have to have discernment. And the best way to have that is to stay in tune with God, stay in his word. If you know this word, there's been people, I, I've been in services and guys have got up and preached. And at first it sounds really good, but then something in me says, wait, that just doesn't sound quite right. And I go back and I say, I'm like, yeah, that's what I thought. You see, the way the devil likes to deceive us, he likes to put a, a good bit of truth in there, but then just a little. But as someone said, a half truth is a whole lie. Let's stand. Father, I thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit, God. I'm thankful that Jude says that you're able to keep us from falling. If we'll stay connected to you, if we'll love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, God, if we'll submit to your word, to your preaching, God, that you will keep us in this hour, God. And now I want to pray, God, for this service that's coming up, God. Let your spirit move in a mighty way, God. Confirm your word. Confirm your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord bless you. Take a 10-minute break. Let's be back at 1120. And let's worship him in spirit and in truth.